2022 to order. I am the DOS Commission President, Martha Knudsen. This commission meeting is being conducted pursuant to provisions of the Brown Act and recent executive orders issued by the governor to facilitate teleconferencing to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown Act sets strict rules strict rules for teleconferencing. The governor recently signed a new amendment to the Brown Act to allow continued use of teleconferencing for public meetings during a state of emergency, provided that commissions such as ours make certain findings. To comply with this legal requirement, items five and six on this morning's agenda is the request to consider whether continued use of teleconferencing will minimize health risks and whether our commission is able to use teleconferencing in a manner that allows public participation and transparency. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 78, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us live on sfgovtv. The Commission asks and thanks you for your patience during these unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the public to have patience and expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. To eliminate background interference, all panelists and presenters that are presenting via WebEx are asked to mute themselves when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, <coughs> elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Secretary, can you please take the roll? Thank you, President Knutson. Commissioners, please respond with present when I call your name. <clears throat> President Martha Knutson. Present. Vice President Janet Spears. Present. <clears throat> Commissioner Sasha Bittner. Present. Commissioner Wanda Jung. Present. Commissioner Nelson Lem. Present. Commissioner Barbara Sklar is an excused absence, and DOS Executive Director Kelly Dearman is not present, and DOS Deputy Director Sidney Kaufman. Present. Thank you, President Knutson. We have a quorum. Thank you <clears throat> very much. Commissioners, the next item, item three, is communications. We'd like to provide further instructions for public the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda and during general public comment. Both channels 78 and sfgovtv.org are streaming the number across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during public comment period are available via phone call. During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call 1415-655-0001, access code 2489-562-2300, pound and then pound again and use webinar password 5646. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you'll be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial pound three and be added to the speaker line. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. You will have three minutes to speak. You will be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left. 
After 30 seconds, you will be muted and placed back to listening mode. Alternatively, public comment can be submitted by email to ravi.derbige at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are there any other communications from the DOSH Commission members? Okay. Thank you. We can move to the next item. Okay, thank you. Uh, commissioners, your next item is agenda item <clears throat> four, approving the minutes of Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022, the DOS Commission meeting. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding the Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022, DOS Commission meeting minutes? Okay, I don't see any. Um, do, uh, Mr. Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Does anyone from the public wish to comment? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, there is one, is that correct? Oh, no callers in the queue. Thank you. That concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item and move to vote. Great. And then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, is there a motion to approve the Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022 DOS Commission meeting minutes? So moved. I move. Okay. I'm going to say that was <laughs> Vice President Spears and then uh, 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 Commissioner Bittner uh, for a second. And uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve the Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022 DOS Commission meeting minutes? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a quorum. Great. Thank you. Um, commissioners, your next meeting item is agenda item five, resolution to hold in-person meetings with some per members <clears throat> possibly appearing remotely. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding this resolution? And let me note that Commissioner Bittner is joining us remotely today. Hearing none, um, Mr. Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, moderator, I'm not sure. Is that a is, do we have any callers in the queue? Is that one for? No. Okay. Thank you. There are no callers in the queue. And hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve agenda item five? I move. Uh, from Commissioner Bittner and a second from Commissioner Jung. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve the resolution to hold in-person meetings with some members possibly appearing remotely? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Um, commissioners, your next item is agenda item six, authorization to allow third-party presenters who are not city employees to attend commission meetings virtually, pending any California government code change or mayoral supplement to the emergency proclamation. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding this resolution? Okay, hearing none, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Is there anyone in the public who would like to comment? 
moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve agenda item six, uh, which is the authorization to allow third-party presenters who are not city employees to attend commission meetings virtually pending any California government code change <clears throat> or mayoral supplement to the emergency proclamation? Uh, Commissioner Lum has uh, moved and Commissioner Jung has seconded. Um, can we please take a roll call vote? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you. Um, then, Commissioners, we can now move along with our meeting <laughs> officially. And I want to welcome uh, for item seven our executive director's report, which uh, this month is being presented by DOS Deputy uh, Director Cindy Kaufman, uh, allowing our director to attend a national conference, I believe. So yes. thank you for substituting for her. Thank you, Commissioner. So um, I've got just a few things. For the federal level, there's not much at this point in time. But as you mentioned, uh, Director Dearman is at the U.S. Aging Conference and so should have some more when she gets back for next month's report. And I think everyone is keeping a close eye on the leadership changes in the House and planning around that. Um, state level, because of the great work that C4A, which is the California Association of Area Agencies on Aging, um, the work they did last year, legislative advocacy netted us about $180 million for all state AAAs over three years. And the first year is for community-based programming and modernizing those services, and then years two and three are for nutrition. And C4A's waiting program memo from the California Department of Aging to discuss this in more detail. Um, the money is coming, and they want it to be broadly defined so individual AAAs can do what is needed to improve and sustain programs in their particular areas. Um, given this, any additional money asked for during the upcoming legislative session has to be finely tuned. Um, so C4A Legislative Committee continues to hone their ask, of which Director Dearman is the chair. Um, because the state budget for next year is not looking great, one-time asks or pilots might be the way to go. Um, the committee continues to wrestle with how to best approach this. Um, there seems to be a lot Caregivers seem to be a very hot topic right now and one that the state is also interested in. So maybe a pilot program that has something to do with caregivers might be the way they choose to go. And they continue to brainstorm, but we'll finalize at the beginning of the year. So more details mm -hmm. um, as we probably get into February or so. And then um, for locally, we're prepping for budget season. Um, similar to the state, the city faces a pretty hefty deficit. And as we have not bounced back as much as we hoped, um, all city departments will likely be asked to make some cuts. And so we will let you all know what this means for us. Um, we should get more details on that 
later this month, I believe. And now I really want to do a shout out to staff and our partners. Um, the IHSS, um, I believe Director Dearman reported last month, IHSS flu drive was being held for clients and families and caregivers, and it has ended. And so the San Francisco State University nursing students administered a total of 196 vaccinations. And this year, as we all know, it's pretty timely given the surge of the viruses that we've seen and especially for the emergency departments. And so then um, DOS, also in partnership with the University of California, San Francisco, received an Aging Achievement Award for Community Arts for Brain Health Initiative at the 2022 U.S. Aging Annual Conference. We just got our certificate yesterday, I think. Um, and the program engages older adults and adults with disabilities in creative and interactive art activities. Um, UCSF fellows lead activities in community centers, libraries, and other neighborhood spaces to promote brain health. Um, they, it mitigates isolation and enables positive social interactions. Um, then after projects are complete, they are shared with the public through presentations and exhibits. And so just some numbers around that for fiscal year 2021. There were 166 participants engaging in more than 224 hours of art classes. Almost 80% of survey respondents felt more socially engaged through the opportunities offered by the program. And then 78% felt a greater connection to their local community, and 85% had a better understanding of brain health. So that is great success when we're all trying to mm -hmm. tackle social isolation. So that is it for my report, unless there are any questions. Commissioners. Um, I just have one question. This is at the federal level, and maybe this is what Kelly will bring back. I, I know that there's um, additional dollars at the fed, federal level regarding uh, digital connectivity and and the likes, and um, which this I'll call it infrastructure and um, access and um, devices. Uh, do we have a timeline on? Um, it's I think it's a five-year. The five-year plan That's is not that? the ATT, is it? No. This so we we've got dollars coming in right now from the state level, right? Billion dollars, and so I don't ha I don't know of anything from federal. So maybe that is something I will shoot Director Dearman a text to see if yeah. she can ask while she's there too. Yeah. Okay. I could be getting this wrong, but I think it's the big thing that the federal government's talking about, five-year plan regarding digital connectivity for all of those that have been left out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll try Thank and get you. more info. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, any other comments? or? Thank you for the good report, and I think we'll just have to be as strategic as we can in San Francisco, and we always have projects ready or uh, ideas and things like that, and... Um, Sorry we couldn't deliver the house, but <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where where it goes and then it just but but I think we'll we, we fill things in so well anyway mm -hmm. uh, that we'll we'll do our best for people. Absolutely. So, and I agree that those priorities around digital are gonna be really key, but we're ready for those projects when we get the allocation. So that that's good news. Yeah. And uh, definitely uh, applauding the um, work that was done to get people vaccinated. Um, everybody was <laughs> hit around the holidays, including myself. So it's just very real what we do. Yeah. And when we go out there and help people who are very vulnerable, uh, that's, that's particularly meaningful. So 
that's a wonderful thing. And honestly, truly was a mm -hmm. labor of love yeah. from our nurse manager that led the whole effort. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. well, we we really appreciate that. I do. Okay, um, then I think we're uh, ready for um, our advisory council president, Diane Lawrence. No, no, no. Oh, we have. Um, oh, DOS. Oh, yep. Hello. <laughs> Item eight. <laughs> we have DOS, DOS recognition. I should have let Ravi take his. That's okay. Commissioners, item eight is the DOS employee recognition. DOS Deputy Director Cindy Kaufman, President Knutson, and the DOS Commission will honor social worker Mark McDougall and the DOS in-home supportive team. You told me to turn it on and I didn't. Hello. This is the exciting part. I think Kelly always says this, and I totally agree. It is so much fun to read what others say about it because they're your coworkers, and the fact that they notice it, I think, speaks volumes for all the employees of the month. So now I'm going to read. So, Mark McDougall joined in home supportive services in 2017 as a 2918 social worker. This is our land of numbers. Um, from the beginning, Mark has been an inspiration to his coworkers and supervisors. Mark's warm and welcoming approach is one of the reasons clients and staff gravitate to him. With a client caseload of 280 plus recipients, Mark always takes the time to go above and beyond to ensure that each of his clients receives the appropriate care and support required so they may remain safe in their own homes. Despite all of the demands on Mark's time, he will always offer his undivided attention and engages his clients with empathy and thoughtfulness. Mark has a passion and skill set that he uses to make successful connections with even our most challenging clients. These clients often do not have a voice of their own and cannot advocate for themselves. While working in a unit with staff shortages, Mark never hesitates to assist with coverage of his coworkers' caseloads and will simply reply, no problem, I've got this. Without hesitation, Mark is always willing to participate in projects that may fall outside of his job duties, like testing a revised narrative assessment template tool to help with program improvements. As a great representative of the program, Mark is also known to have IHSS trainees shadow him on client visits so he can show them the assessment process and guide them along with their training. Mark once said that at the end of the day, his true measurement of success is if he was able to make a meaningful connection with people. His endless energy and drive to provide the best care and services possible to everyone he encounters is why Mark McDougall is December's DOS Employee of the Month. And please join me. You want a photo op? We can do a photo op. A photo op? <laughs> you are a man after my own heart. <laughs> Do you want to say something, Mark? Would you like to speech? Do you want to say something? <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, we want to say on behalf of the commission, thank you so much. We get uh, we get to read up this before with the commission meeting, and I just was always so impressed, and especially impressed with with your work and. Um, 
just everything you do is so meaningful and makes a difference to everybody. And I can tell from the way you, you're received here that people really appreciate that within, the, within your department. So thank you for what you do very much. All right, now we'll go on to item nine. <laughs> Commissioners, item nine is the advisory council report presented by the advisory council president, Diane Lawrence. Joining us. Good morning, remotely. commissioners. Yeah. Um, I want to also congratulate Mark. I do think this is the best part, <coughs> excuse me, of the meeting. And I often wish that members of the community could see how hard the DOS staff works um, because I just always come out uh, imp in, uh, inspired by the work that the staff and especially the uh, the reckon those who get recognition each month, and I know there's a lot of people behind them. So I'm going to update you today on our November uh, council meeting. This was our last meeting of the year. We voted, as I've mentioned previously, not to hold a meeting in January since it's I'm not told the Jan a December meeting since it's so close to the holiday. Um, and this was a meeting where we had no report, no guest speaker. Um, it's one of the first meetings of the year. So we used it to tie up loose ends and to spend some time um, just catching up and um, dealing with local reports. We had, um, we uh, gave a report on the Dignity Fund Oversight and Advisory Council, and I've detailed that in my, my notes. Um, and the next OAC meeting will be in January. We do have a vacancy, which we'll vote on in November, uh, in our January meeting, and we have someone who's stepped forward. So uh, more details on that uh, in, um, at the oversight meeting, and then again in, in February. Um, we finally got our bylaws approved, uh, finalized and approved. So we are now operating um, under those. This is the first update since 2015. So it means that we are now in compliance with the official name of the department. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the process was basically was to clarify and update. We looked at the uh, commission bylaws, were reviewed to align where we can. They can't be perfectly aligned. I worked on that with a previous um, commission member uh, years ago under executive director Hinton and because yours is chartered and ours isn't there are some um, not many disalignments we um, also looked at uh, we had the executive committee members one our first vice president Martha Graff Margaret Graff did the initial and then former council member Dr. Eleanor Lurie who has worked on previous updates did a review for us and um, so the process, the members received and um, the 2015 along with the bylaws. And um, so we, they were approved unanimously. The nominating committee, which we approved at our October meeting, uh, they presented their slate of officers. And since we're not having a uh, December meeting, which is when we would normally vote, those will be voted on in January. And I've listed the... Um, slate of officers. We had two site visits. Both were excellent. Um, so I want to spend a bit of time there. Um, Aquatic Park Senior Center. This is the oldest senior center in the United States. And um, it's based in the Maritime Museum. Um, 
and the National Park Service holds the contract. Um, again, there's a difference between the online presence and the in-person presence. So I'm really pleased we made that choice um, and decision to, um, to look at that. It really gives us a whole, another consumer lens, which is our role. Um, the information was hard to find. It's run by Sequoia Living, um, which is how it is accessed, but it's not an easy site to get to. Um, it's one of two sites uh, operated by Sequoia. Um, so it does, Sequoia provides um, not-for-profit uh, wing of their operations, which provides for low-income housing for seniors and persons with a disability. Once you find the site, it's really wonderful. It has a map of the location, alphabetical listing of the activities. Activities include um, meal program, and that those details were a little harder to find. It's serviced by open hand, fitness classes, art classes. Uh, there's real clarity around the staff and their phone numbers, which has been um, is one of the key indicators we seem to keep focusing on. It was difficult to find Chinese um, information in Chinese language, even though all the sign signage on the site is in both in English and Chinese. Um, sites open from 9 to, 930 to 3.30, and about 150 people visit the site each day. That's some of the largest numbers we've seen in the visits we've been able to do this year. Oh, uh, um, there was a homeless person outside the site, and the council member asked um, about that and was told that there is outreach by the National Park Service um, to make sure that they're provided services. There is a meal program, 40 to 50 meals per day. The population is split between English, Chinese, and Spanish menus, which is interesting that none of the information is in Spanish. Uh, food was cold. Um, one person that was spoken to thought was impressed it was nutritious. To-go meals were also provided, so I'm sure there'll be some follow-up on the, the cold meals. Um, there are a number of art programs, uh, which goes to some of what uh, Deputy Director Kaufman just spoke about. The adults are discovering their creativity. The Aquatic Park Senior Center is known for its um, art programs, and people come from all over for the special programs. Um, there are Zoom activity programs, which is helping people find more um, about the site and about the special programs, and it reaches people who couldn't find, um, wouldn't access the sites otherwise. Um, there are no health services. Prior to some of the, I guess, issues with the City College of San Francisco, they used to offer s City College programs there. And I know a couple of our um, council members actually participate in some of their programs and have, have given um, some of the programs. The second site was the on-site visit for Western Edition Senior Center. As I reported last month, we had found the information online, but it was difficult because it focused so much on the Bayview. Um, it was hard for the council member to schedule an in-site visit, so she just showed up um, because that was the best way to go. Uh, work's being done on the facility, so the main entrance was blocked and the entrance was around the corner on Fillmore. Fillmore. The reception was also the program director. Services, as I just noted, are offered through the Bayview 
uh, senior services. Um, attendance is down, but there's still a group uh, for the exercise program. There's a large, com there's a commercial kitchen and they serve about 300 meals a day. There are about 56 on-site meals and to-go bags for 150 to 200 meals. And they were offering a holiday meal on the 24th, the day before Thanksgiving, as did self-help for the elderly. Um, there is only one page on the Bayview Senior Services site uh, for the Western edition. And one of the things that we are finding um, as we go through these, the to-go meals seem to be continuing to be the biggest uh, draw. And um, the exercise programs. Often people are going for exercise, and then uh, maybe may not be staying for the meal program. Um, we CSL uh, gave a report. Their representatives are scheduling their meetings with the new legislators in January, and with redistricting and with changes in the in the uh, legislators, uh, they're having a hard time finding people and what areas they now represent. But they're they're plugging ahead. There are ten teams with a list to contact. Um, they had eight of their 10 proposals were picked up by uh, members of the state assembly and Senate, and uh, three of those eight were signed into law. So that's a pretty good uh, record. Unfortunately, the one we've been tracking for a long time on raising the uh, monthly allowance, personal needs allowance didn't go up. Um, I've attach attached the list of the 2023 priorities and then our next meeting is January 18th, when we will have our first joint ledge meeting of the year as well. Okay, thank and you. And we're still working. I have one more sure. on the other side of the page. Sure. One more. <laughs> we're still working on the membership. Um, Executive Director Dearman spoke with a couple of our the three supervisors who we've had no response from. So um, we continue. I've spoken with representatives from District 1 to make presentations at some of their community meetings. Um, uh, Supervisor Preston has requested names. We're following up with a conversation I had with Supervisor Melgar. Um, Supervisor Ronan wants information on what needs to be done. And Supervisor uh, Walton will bring this up with his legislative aid. And we still have three commission openings so with an additional one coming up in March, so we're working on um, resources for that. And last we, lastly, we've started our work for 2023, and we are working to begin updating our handbook for advisory council members, uh, which is um, to update it, to make it more user-friendly. And I don't think we've really updated it since I got mine in 2013. So. And as I've said before, we will not meet in December. Um, so we'll start off the year with a lot to do. Thank, thank you very much. Did we have uh, any questions or comments from commissioners? There's a lot of work. Okay. Um, I also I have, think- I have ahead. one comment. I wanna yeah. say that in, with my next report, I'll have a summary of everything we did in 2022. Okay, great. Um, I appreciate the detail you went into uh, around the um, uh, difficulty getting, I, I'm so appreciative of the fact that you're trying to figure out how people could get the resources online. 
um, and that we are seeing this as a bit of a weak link to, to getting services, although I understand not everybody uses the internet. It just seems like increasingly people will to try and find out about uh, these services. So one thing, I know that a, I know staff people work with you when you, when you mm -hmm. find these, so I'm assuming that has happened and they're aware of that so that where appropriate they can have the agency improve their online. Right. Right. Some, um, some of the council members have actually sat down when they meet with the exec, the director of the mm -hmm. site and discussed it. Some are very much aware of it. In some cases, um, it's, it's, uh, they're part of a bigger group. So they're not as, um, they don't have as much control, but I know, um, in working with, uh, Michael Zog, who oversees this program, mm -hmm. he's heard most of these reports and he's, uh, they're looking at that as well. This, I think, I think this is providing a benefit. You know, it's a positive out of mm -hmm. the pandemic, if you will, because we hadn't thought of it before. Mm -hmm. And um, you, um, it is a way. And we have two uh, council members who have done some of these visits who also work with clients, um, primarily as financial planners and, and other things, fiduciaries. And one of the things they're saying is they go in with that eye as the helper, as the facilitator, and find, that's where they're finding challenges. So when the online directory comes mm -hmm. out, we'll all be looking at that very carefully. Mm -hmm. um, and we're trying to make sure that um, we, uh, I think we'll continue this because it just seems to add, seems like an added value beyond, and, and things like the cold food and all of that, that that all gets discussed and sometimes it's just a matter of where they are on the um food delivery right oh, that, that's right um so thank you for all of that and then that was the next thing i was going to be sure of is that as we're working on this online directory and i think um that that's a, like a perfect test you know like as this online directory goes on and it's like can you search for the this program and did you find it better? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm being very simple here, but it's like that seems like such a good, all of the, the when these particular findings happen. And I have a feeling I know exactly this website was probably uh, buried, quote, because it was a way to develop a website. I know a little bit about that world and it was like it was a easy way to to get one that someone else put it in theirs and, and yet it, it's, it's buried a little bit. And, and so I could feel, follow, you did such a good job of explaining it, I could kind of follow technically what might have happened there. But the online database would be a way to improve that. I mean, that, that's hopefully the, uh, a, you know, better technology and people will be able to search for certain words and phrases and locations and, and get to the resources. So it just seems like a perfect way uh, to kind of improve and show improvement there. Yeah. And we may be able to help with, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm sure all of us will, as soon as we know it's live and have the link, we'll be in mm -hmm. there. So it's something we can help help with definitely as as representatives of the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have, So that we're confident when we send it out to people. Yeah, I have no doubt that we're going to be the, the big beta testers of all of this. <laughs> so I can't wait. <laughs> it, 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 this really affects all of our lives and our friends and everybody. So we're really looking forward to it, but it just seemed like a perfect example of of, of something that, that's set for improvement. So that was good. Yeah. 
Um, all right, anything else from commissioners on that report then? No. Um, you wanted to go uh, ahead with the legislative report. We didn't yep. meet. We didn't meet because the legislative session is over. So, and in January, I'll also have a TAC report because we're meeting tomorrow. Okay. And were there any questions from commissioners on the legislative report? But thank you again for that summary and the priorities. So that, that was very helpful, very helpful. Um, then I think we're ready for item 10. Commissioners, item 10 is the case report presented by Daniel Gallagher. Welcome, Mr. Gallagher. Morning, Commissioners and Deputy Director Kaufman. <clears throat> um, with our uh, case programming in November, uh, Dr. Paul Lamb presented on the services provided by the Victim Services Division of the San Francisco District Attorney's Office. That was um, a, a good presentation. Uh, in December, we had the case holiday party actually this past Monday evening. Um, and it was really nice to obviously see the, the membership in person after a three-year hiatus um, and three years of Zoom meetings. Um, <laughs> and we had the privilege of Deputy Director Kaufman and former Executive Director uh, Shreem McSpadden attending as well. So it was, a, it was a pleasant evening for everyone. It was really nice. In January, we will uh, start our membership updates for services and supports, um, really to um, continue to identify the current services that providers are, are providing um, and in what format. Some are providing in hybrid, some are going back to complete in-center services. So we really need to update this so we can continue to uh, really uh, refine what our outreach and our referral process is. Um, so that's what we'll start in January. Uh, with other case activities, uh, recently uh, DOS presented the key priorities for fiscal year 24 to 27 uh, to the OAC um, and to the service provider working group co-chairs in the uh, November 14th OAC meeting in the Dignity Fund uh, Coalition meeting on, on uh, November 30th. Um, and of course, these uh, priorities were informed by the 2022 um, community needs assessment findings. And um, we'll continue to uh, present these uh, findings to the service provider working group for further comment and questions as we move into the new year as the uh, service allocation plan is finalized. Budget advocacy for fiscal year 24, I just want to remind, um, because I think these are, are really important, um, but uh, the case budget advocacy would be to increase technological support and connectivity, increase behavioral and mental health support and services, uh, improve access to dependable and safe transportation strengthen outreach activities and improve access to services, uh, as I just mentioned, improve public safety, expand caregiver uh, support and respite, uh, intensify the need for cultural and linguistic capacity, and uh, further explore creative aging practices. So again, that's broad scope and we'll narrow that down as we move through our, our budget advocacy process. And finally, the case officer um, slate for 2023 uh, 
Fiona Hinze and I will continue as co-chairs for the next year. Um, we have a new treasurer, uh, Aurora Alvarado from the Mission Neighborhood Center, and we're happy to have Aurora do that. Uh, Longtime treasurer Patty Clement is uh, will still stay on the board, but stepping away from her treasury duties. And um, and Christina Irving uh, with the Family Caregiver Alliance will continue as secretary. And that concludes my report. Any questions, comments from commissioners on this? The extensive bunch of work here. So, yeah. and thank you for continuing to provide leadership to the committee. And certainly, I congratulate okay. or and extend our appreciation for the others who have stepped up to to do that work. So, thank and you. we agree with all of your priorities that you set. So, yeah, <laughs> especially a lot. underlining both digital and also uh, your attention to uh, public trans transportation. Yeah. I think that's really really going to be a critical link in the years to come for uh, making sure that uh, seniors and disabled people get the services they need. So thank you for that. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Um, Commissioners, item 11 is public comment, an opportunity for members of the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the commission today? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? And there are no callers in the queue. That concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this time. And we can move to item 12, old business. Commissioners, your next item is item 12, old business. Commissioners, please indicate by raising your hand if there's any old business that you'd like to address. No one online? Okay, that concludes all business. Um, thank you. Um, commissioners, the next agenda item is item 13, new business, and it's going to be items 13A through 13E are action items that will require a vote by the commission. So we'll start with our first one, item 13A, requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Family Caregiver Alliance, known as FCA, for the provision of Family Caregiver Support Program for the period of December 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2024, in the amount of $506,070, plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $4,515,546. Dollars and Erica Maybaum is uh, presenting this item. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Good morning, commissioners and Deputy Director Kaufman. My name is Erica Maybaum, and I'm a program analyst for the Office of Community Partnership. Thank you for your time today. Uh, before you is a budget modification for the Family Caregiver Alliance within their Family Caregiver Support Program (FCSP). I will review the proposed scope change excuse me, scope changes, but also wanted to briefly walk through the funding sources and framing of this modification as it is multi-layered. Um, generally, a majority of this contract's funding is from CDA through Title IIIe. However, today's modification includes a few funding sources. There's federal funding via ARPA funds, the American Rescue Plan Act. There's state allocation from the Older Adults Recovery and Resilience Funding, or funding. And there's also local dignity fund dollars. 
Back in September, you approved one-time only modification of 160,000 in order to ensure that there was not a gap in services as the Institute on Aging ramped up and launched their respite grant, which was newly awarded to them. The scope modifications that I'm gonna walk through are additions from the September modification but worth noting is that today's modification will also cover those prior one-time only scope additions that were approved in September. Okay. Additions to the scope for your consideration today include additional respite hours, 2,240 hours for this fiscal year, fiscal year 22-23, and an additional 4,440 respite hours in fiscal year 23-24. The rest of the modifications are both for fiscal years 22-23 and 23-24. So individual caregiver counseling short-term 100 hours uh, both in 22-23 and 23-24. And caregiver support groups an additional 120 hours both fiscal years. Caregiver counseling which is ongoing both fiscal years and public information for caregivers and eight additional activities and resources both fiscal years. FCA provides high quality services for caregivers, is incredibly responsive to DAS requests. Um, I monitored at their contract in May of 2022 and any deliverable that was under target was justified, addressed and resolved. The department is confident that they can further support caregiver needs and provide these additional services with this funding. Again, thank you for your time, and I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Okay, th thank you very much, for and thank you for explaining to us in the detail you did how, how this is affected, starting with the allocations we've made and when, what this does as well. So thank you for that. Um, any other questions from commissioners on this? I think. I didn't expect because I think the description was so thorough, so thank you for that. Yeah. Um, uh, then are there, if there's no questions or comments from commissions, do we have a, any uh, members of the public who have a question? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item 13A? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item 13A. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? There are no callers in the queue, and that concludes that. Great, then hearing no further requests uh, to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Um, uh, do we have a motion to approve uh, agenda item A from commissioners? From Vice President Spears, and a second from? I'm oh, great, thank you for Commissioner Bittner. Um, can we have a roll call, please? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you. Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item B and requires a vote by the commissioner. Um, item 13B is requesting authorization to modify the existing grants with multiple providers for the provision of community service programs to older adults and adults with disabilities during the period July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2023 in the amount of $575,187 plus a 10% contingency 
uh, revised total amount not to exceed $4,640,605, and staff Ariana Albert will be presenting this item. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, Commissioners and Deputy Director Kaufman. My name is Rihanna Alberts, and I'm an analyst with the Office of Community Partnerships. I'm seeking your approval to modify multiple community services grants due to Board of Supervisors add back funding that will be used for the provision of community services. To give you a little background on the community services grants, DOS funds community centers throughout the city to provide community service programming for older adults and adults with disabilities. The community service programs aim to increase socialization opportunities for consumers, provide physical activities that may improve health, and bring people together for educational or wellness purposes. Community services include activity scheduling, translation services, social services, and enhanced outreach. Each community center provides a unique set of activities and services based on participant need and feedback. These are the following modifications. Curry Senior Center, which is located in District 6, will use the ADBAC funds to fund their LGBTQ programs manager. This modification will allow the manager to enhance their support for program staff. This position also helps with efficiency around operations and communication between staff and programs, and they provide program planning and administration. This includes organizing quarterly outings and the annual pride celebration. Because this position does not provide direct services to clients, but rather supports the staff that do, there will not be an increase in service objectives. However, you'll note in the Appendix A, there is an increase in service objectives. That's because the grantee projected a gradual increase in programming at the start of the contract term. Uh, next is Golden Gate Richmond Senior Center, located in District 1. Uh, they will use the ABAC funds to restore funding to fiscal year 21-22 levels. The funds will help reopen the center, support indoor congregate activities, and maintain a full-time bilingual center coordinator. With these funds, the operations manager will work on the reopening and establishment of safety protocols for programs and services. The funding will also support outreach efforts, art classes, yoga sessions, and off-site activities that include field trips to local farms and museums. There is no change to service objectives, uh, as this ADVAC will restore Richmond Senior Center's funding levels. Uh, however, uh, once again, the Appendix A does reflect an increase this fiscal year, and that's, again, due to the grantee projecting a gradual increase of programming at the start of the contract term. Uh, next is Open House, which is located in District 8. Uh, they will use the ABAC funds for the mental health support supervisor position to help support and run the program. This position provides direct service to participants through individual weekly meetings for therapeutic support. The mental health support supervisor also strengthens mental health services that reduce isolation and increase the health and well-being of LGBTQ plus older adults and adults with disabilities. The remaining ADVAC will also increase the adjusted FTE funding for all other program staff, which includes activities coordinator, volunteer coordinator, and the community engagement coordinator. And with this modification, you will see an increase in service objectives. Uh, and then the last modification before you is for YMCA Richmond. They are located in District 1. They will use the funds to restore funding to fiscal year 21-22 levels. 
The modification will fund field trips and activities like traveling to the Oakland Zoo, the Monterey Bay Aquarium, Santa Cruz Redwood Train, and YMCA Point Bonita. The funds will also support the purchasing of exercise equipment and materials for classes and activities at the center. It will also fund additional staffing time for activity leaders who lead hiking groups, ceramics classes, and workshops. The additional staffing time will increase programming from only being offered three days per week to five days per week. Uh, and with this modification, they will be restoring their service objective levels. Um, and then lastly, I'd like to note that all programs were monitored in the spring of 2022, and all were found to be compliant with contract expectations. Thank you, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is um, very thorough. I really appreciate it. Um, just so I can, I like to follow the money trail. So when the money comes back from the supervisors, is the money then designated for their district? Is that how this goes? It is designated okay. to the district, yes. Okay. I have a question. Yeah, of course. Ms. Albert, thank you for, first of all, thank you very much for the very detailed explanation of the funding and activities and, and changes that the modification will support. Um, I was just wondering if you can help clarify, um, just kind of on a practical day-to-day -day basis, the funding. I noticed that the modification is for the period starting July 1st, 2022, and uh, right now we're in December 22. So what have these different organizations been doing for these six months since we're just putting through the modification now? Um, this, so this modification, um, um, this is a mix of ongoing and OTO funding. Um, your question was what have they been doing for? For example, um, uh, let's, let's just uh, take a look at um, Curry Senior Center, basically the modification is to support program and staff enhancement. So does that mean that they're going to start hiring staff now, although they, you know, the funding actually was for, started six months ago? Do yeah. you want to ask? So, so for that case, for Curry, um, that position already existed and was okay. being funded um, through another funding source. So okay. So it's going to move the dollars around to basically. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. They're kind of shifting things around. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so generally that's what happens when, when we move forward, you know, kind of on a delay basis in terms of uh, modification changes. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank yeah. you. Um, the other question I had, I noticed uh, under um, Golden Gate Senior Services, um, if you can just clarify, so right now they're not open, they're still closed, they need to reopen, is that the situation? So um, Richmond Senior Center has been um, predominantly closed um, since the start of the pandemic. Um, they kind of shifted a lot of their programming to outdoor activities. Okay. Um, Right now, they're um, with this add back funding. They're in the process of reopening, um, and they're going to be focusing on um, sort of a mix of um, in person and then you know outdoor activities as well. Okay, because um, I actually I checked the website and I couldn't tell if they actually were up and running or they're still were still closed. So for for this month, for I believe about five weeks five weeks or so, they are closed um, for asbestos abatement, oh. and they've relocated their services to another floor. Oh, okay. um, but it is a, a, a short term um, short term closure. Right. And then specifically back to the Golden Gate, um, I noticed that the funding is to support a bilingual center coordinator. I was just wondering if we can help clarify how that need was identified and what languages are we looking at? 
Yeah, so um, Golden Gate, I have the languages. Um, Golden Gate is, um, their language uh, capacity there is English, Russian, Cantonese, and Mandarin. Um, so, you know, they, this position was brought back to a 40-hour-a-week full-time. Um, with this modification, it was reduced during the pandemic. So with the reopening, they're seeing a need for um, additional, you know, bilingual, um, additional bilingual need. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks. Sure. Any other commissioners' comments? Uh, just uh, just a comment. Uh, seems to me that um, many of the uh, services that we provide through the, the various uh, uh, organizations, they come and you know and present a, a, a budget to us, and we approve it. And almost uh, every single one will come back six months from now and say, you know what, we need an adjustment. <laughs> Do I mean you know? Uh, it, it, are we supposed to check and make sure that you know the, the, the initial funding is sufficient, or, or, or is that just a common practice now that we just, we make an adjustment every, you know every six months or every year? I mean, I believe it kind of depends on. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm happy Mike can fill in. So mm -hmm. for these in particular, some of these are add backs. So they're coming from the supervisor and then going back out into the community intentionally. Um, for some cases, if there are unmet needs, one of the things we look at is for them to show us how, for example, I think the, the biggest example is meals of they will they will often have way more requests. And so part of it is it's a little bit fluid to take a look at it and really having them show us how and why that those dollars and sometimes there's finite dollars um, and if we get more dollars or like one-time only dollars were for dollars that haven't been spent by some providers we can then repurpose them to other pro uh, providers who are requesting for the unmet needs so it is it we take a look at it that way I'll let Mike add anything he yeah I, I would just that good morning commissioners I'm Mike Zog program director for office of community partnerships I guess I would add there's just a lot of moving parts um, we are we are struggling with how many modifications we have to do um, because each time it's preparing these packets and bringing them but what we're seeing is that we have multiple funding sources coming in at multiple different schedules and um, to the to the extent that we can project out we do um, but you'll have all these different nuances so today we saw like with this item we saw um, some add back funding that was added just for the last fiscal year and so we did a modification back then and and these providers did great work with that and then they brought that story back to DOS and to the board of supervisors and we saw funding become available again for them. So we had to come back and, and modify it in again. We saw, um, I think we saw a pot, we saw two pots of, uh, of, of COVID recovery funding that comes in. And so these all are coming in at different times. Um, and it, it becomes essentially a, a lot of moving parts situation. Okay, thank you. One last thing too, Commissioner. I think that piggybacking on what Mike just said of, there's an ad back and they, they, they meet all of those criteria and they go back to the supervisor and get another ad back. When it comes up for contract, we also take that opportunity to take a look at that increased need and, and funding for it. And if we are able 
to then modify so that we don't have to consistently do, do the modifications, um, we will always take a look at that as well. All, all good questions, and we obviously read our packets, so <laughs> we appreciate your patience on this and, and the excellent answers. I was just going to say, too, that um, one thing, thank you for following the priorities that have been set and surfaced, especially the one around uh, mental health needs in the LGBT community. That was something that came out of a survey done during the pandemic, as I've, if I'm tracking this correctly. And then um, we've been asking for uh, funding for that, and and this was a response to that. So I feel like that was a pretty uh, actually direct directly related to that need and it's a very important need and then the other thing I'm seeing now is a hopeful note around uh, people coming back and uh, carefully transitioning uh, to, to being able to participate on things both within a center and outside and in the same way we've tracked the <laughs> pandemic and and responded to that through understanding how hybrid the positives and negatives of hybrid and all of the things that came out of that and responded to that now I see us um, See, it was it was the first hopeful note I've seen of, of these uh, agencies becoming, but needing some funding to get to get going again. So I, I thought both of those things were very, very good to see. I think that's what we're responding to. Um, so the, any other questions from commissioners? Then and do we have any public comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item B? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item 13B. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? There are no callers in the queue. We can move on. Great, thank you so much. Um, commissioners, do we have a motion to approve item B? So moved. From Vice President Spears in a second. I second. From uh, Commissioner Jung. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item B? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. President Janet, uh, Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Um, the next order of business is agenda item C and requires a vote by the commission. It's a review and approval of the California Department of Aging Contract AT2223-38 and the associated budgets and all subsequent amendments. And uh, staff Sarah Chan, is she here? She's remote. We'll be presenting the item. Sarah. Oh, remote, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> she's, I thought you said she was coming in a moment. But here she is. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, Commissioners, Deputy Director Kaufman. My name is Sarah Chan, Program Analyst from Office of Community Partnership. The item before you today is to request your approval to enter into a new contract with the California Department of Aging to provide services under the Access to Technology Program. Access to Technology Program is a CDA new program. The program's purpose is to connect older adults and adults with disabilities to technology and to help reduce isolation, increase connections, and enhance self-confidence. The funding source of this program is time-limited federal funds through the state's 
Home and Community-Based Services Spending Plan. Earlier this year in July, CDA released a request for application for counties to opt into this pilot program. CDA estimated the funding allocation for the 58 counties by taking into account of the older adult population in the county and the geographic isolation factors. San Francisco County is allocated for $1,095,819. And our office responded, submitted an application in August to ask for the full allocation amount. And um, we just recently in October received CDA's approval for this program. The term of this grant at this time is through December 2024. However, the state recently informed the counties CDA's plans on amending this grant uh, to a new end date, December 2023. And the counties are advised to, to make plan and complete our expenditures by this anticipated 2023 new end date. Thus, plans to utilize this grant to purchase digital devices, expand tech training and tech support opportunities, and increase, improve our digital infrastructure in our community. With this funding, thus we'll be working closely with our SF Connected program providers and our community partners to bridge the digital divide um, in our community to serve older adults and adults with disabilities. Thank you for your time, and I'm happy to answer questions that you may have at this time. Thank you um, so much uh, for the presentation. So I just have a uh, maybe just one or two questions. So if sure. I'm listening correctly, the state has given us basically one year to spend this money and we're just accepting the money now so then if i looked at our schedule correctly this is supposed to come to the commission of what we're going to do with this money in the january february time frame so um how how can i ask this nicely um is this <laughs> i could totally get behind a 2024 date I'm a little concerned about how we're going to move this money in a, a less than 12-month period, given that all the work sausage making needs to happen to decide where to put this million dollars in a very short period of time. So I'm sure Doss has some ideas. Yeah. I would just, as we accept this money, I'm just curious: um, Are we going to put it in existing contracts that we have and have modifications back to? my colleague Lum said, or are there new contracts? Are we going to go out and find new places? I know this is a loaded question, but I needed to ask it. Okay. It's, it's an excellent yeah. question. And uh, actually, at the time when we only have a less than a, a month to quickly responding to this uh, request for application, we're taking into the account that we really want to um, uh, enhance our infrastructure in the community. So a lot of the portion of this grant is actually is to replacing um, new computer system at the, S, the 50 SF connected labs. So, so that will really be helping us to move quickly on that. And, um, and the, the other question you um, talking about, um, we really want to leverage our existing 
infrastructure and our uh, partners in the community. So the SF Connected program uh, providers and our communities will be our partners. And uh, at this time, we still don't have a definite an answer that whether that will be a new RFP coming out for this, but most likely at this time, our plan is to moving forward with our existing grantees and using the infrastructure to expand services. So for example, we are planning to use this grant to expand um, tech training, tech support over 5,000 hours. And uh, so we are working closely with our provider and we already get a sense what they can do. Um, so that's our plan. And so just don't want to add in additional complexity. And this year is also our RFP years for the new grant right. cycle <laughs> starting July 2023. So if needed, and we may uh, be able to enhance and uh, including some of the dollars um, from this grant to enhance the programs um, when we have the new RFP coming out for the new grant cycle. Um, I hope I answered the questions. Okay, then I, I th the new grant cycle I thought was coming earlier than July, but okay, got it. Hello again, commissioners. I'm going to add a little bit. We're deep in the sausage making here, yeah, commissioners. <laughs> and so what's going on here is we're approving a grant today that has a that has a date of December 31, 2024 on it. And so um, because of some finance issues at the state level, CDA has given us sort of a courtesy notice saying approve it like this, but we're probably going to send you a note in January saying that we're going to shorten this by a year. That is a problem, absolutely, and that is something that I think is being handled that, that, that Director Dearman, Deputy Director Kaufman, um, as well as our fellow AAAs throughout the state are, are providing some very strong uh, feedback around. So there is, you know, until we get the notice, there's this chance that we'll have that, that longer time. Now, if it's, it's gonna be challenging to get this done over the, the next calendar year, but we, here at DOS believe that these funds are needed in the community. Um, we want to do our best to administer these funds in a responsible way to, to, to um, try to meet need um, and perhaps along the way tell the story of how these funds are needed in the community and use that to help provide feedback along this journey up to the state of California so they can understand how we need more time or how we need these funds in an ongoing manner. Um, we have some, some brave uh, analysts and contracting crew uh, among the team that are gonna try to do all this over the next year, but it is, it is absolutely not a perfect situation. Okay, thank you. Any other questions from commissioners? Because I also just saw this as a tremendous um, opportunity, <laughs> um, uh, you know, huge allocation of resources. Um, unfortunately, it's a always a problem with funding streams from the state. But isn't this an excellent opportunity for enhanced outreach, like beyond what we've ever done before in terms of letting people know about this potential resource, how much more there, there might be available to people, and um, 
and utilizing that, you know, utilizing this challenge as, a, as an opportunity to, to just really expand. Creativity, programs. innovation. Yes. In theory, and in and theory, also the getting that... people into um, the centers or whatever and, and really helping them to gain access where so many people, the difficulty they have is just actually understanding how, how it works. <laughs> so it seemed like it, you'd, you, you plan on putting the money in all of those things, and that's, that's good. And it seems like letting people know that that's available will now become a, a, a challenge, but also an opportunity for yep. really getting the word out so that I would expect to hear, hear something on a local news program or something like that about this, okay. you know, like, and, and really get people um, aware of what what's been added so I know I get the challenge we we because because you did address that I don't have yeah. to I get that but it's like it's also this opportunity so I'm excited about it yeah and so, so I hope to that's what I'm hoping to kind of see something like okay. outside of this that will be advertisement about it and things like that yeah so people really become aware of what's there all right, any other comments on this? Tre tremendous gift, we'll call it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, any other any uh, comments from the public, Ben? We should call for public comment. Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item C? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item C. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers in the queue. We conclude public comment for this item. Okay. Uh, hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion um, from commissioners to approve item C? So moved. From I move. President Spears and second from Commissioner Bittner. Uh, can we please call the roll? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay, great. Thank you. I'm requesting uh, then, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item D and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Unite Us for the provision of an online resource directory for the period of December 1st, 2022 through April 30th, 2025 in the additional amount of $2,936,500 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $4,108,775 and uh, uh, staff member Fanny Lapitan will be presenting this item and uh, welcome. Thank you. Good morning, commissioners and Deputy Director Kaufman. Um, it's really great to be here again. Um, I'm Fanny Lapitan, Director of the DOS Benefits and Resources Hub. Um, I'm here to request authorization to modify our existing contract with um, Unitas to include the San Francisco Department of Public Health in the provision of the online resource directory. So as you may remember back in May, uh, we were able to enter into a new, a new contract with Unitas uh, to develop and maintain a searchable repository of resources to help connect older adults and adults with disabilities in San Francisco to, to services um, and programs that meet their needs. 
um, the online resource directory or ORD um, will include a wide range of services, um, service types, service domains that will include things like healthcare, housing, caregiver assistance, um, public benefits, um, and social programs, to name a few. The, the ORD will also have a platform that will allow coordination of electronic referrals and case management tasks between um, our agency and our um, service provider um, organizations or partners in the community. This feature of the ORD will help close the loop whenever a consumer or a client is referred to a partner organization for a particular service. Um, information on the ORD regarding organizations, programs, and services will be maintained by Unitas for accuracy and relevance, ensuring that the consumers are getting the most up-to-date information on the directory. The platform will also provide data through uh, reports and dashboards to be used for improvements in the way uh, that we provide awareness and access to our services. We are modifying this contract um, to allow Unitas to provide the same but separate service of an online resource directory for the Department of Public Health. Uh, both DOS and DPH really started the effort of um, looking for a dynamic and interactive resource directory through an RFP um, earlier in the year. However, DPH was not um, able to fully complete their procurement process in the same time frame that we did. Um, so now they're ready to start to work with Unitas um, to build out their online resource directory. Um, and then ours, the DOS online resource directory, is currently um, still in development and uh, we're hoping to launch it early in 2023, around hopefully February. So just in a couple months. We're really excited about that. Um, so I just want to add, um, for DPH in particular, they are, they are really looking to utilize the service for, from Unitas to initiate um, those, the, the closed-loop referrals for their patients and clients that need to be connected to social support services um, provided by local CBOs. Their staff will begin um, by using the Unitas platform um, uh, soon, and then over the course of the next year, they expect to make a transition to a uh, direct connection between their EPIC electronic health record system and Unitas through a data integration. Um, uh, so th th that's pretty much the request to modify. It's really the same service through Unitas, um, but it is separate. So the DOS and the DPH online resource directory will be separate. Um, and with that, I thank you, and I, I'm happy to answer any question you might have. Do we have some questions from commissioners on this? Um, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, yeah. I'd, I guess if you can just clarify, um, why, why is it a joint effort? Because it seems that DPH has it like a huge amount more involved than we do at this point. Yeah. I'm, I, since I'm the one who started all of this and poor <laughs> okay. Fanny has she picked has it up. Um, <laughs> so initially when we put out, um, one of the ways when we were soliciting for the RFP, we were looking at separate funders. They actually said, hey, have you talked to DPH? They are looking to do a very similar thing. So as we wrote up the RFP, we actually um, had got a lot of input. We shared it with them to make sure, because it becomes much easier to do something very much the same through one contract. And so the idea was we would launch, um, we launched the RFP, 
we we um, United us won the bid, and so as we got closer to the deadline, we actually during this time had gotten a funding source from CDA, but we had back to those very strict deadlines. We had a very very strict deadline, and we were literally in the eleventh hour, and so part of what we needed to do it to get the DPH piece to present it all in one instead of a, a modified contract, we would have missed the deadline, and we would have lost. I think it's something like $450,000 for our portion of it. So the idea was always to have it be as part of one contract, but slightly separate. So we asked DPH, can we do a modification? Can we move forward and do a modification later? They were fine with it, so that's why we're here with the modification. So they will have, for us, it's both the CBOs as well as our integrated intake. So we've got two parallel paths. Integrated intake does has one slice of it, and then the CBOs talk to each other. The my understanding with DPH, it really is um, much more of a uh, from their clinics out. Right, they make a referral, and that closed loop says referral accepted, and so the clinic has that ability to close that loop. So it is it's a it's the same system, same platform, and unite because Unitas has access to so many resources. Um, it's just they've already got a lot available as they start to tailor it to San Francisco. So I hope that answers the question. It was all a matter of timing and, and dollars. So the funding for this is coming from DPH? Yes. So it's their funding, but we hold the contract. Yes. So therefore, the modification is coming to us to approve because we own the contract. Okay. Correct. That's and it would have been presented much more clearly if we'd been able to do it all at once. Okay. That was a part that I've missed. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was going to be my question, too. Thank and it's just sure. easier. We work order between departments. Yeah. You will hear it during budget presentations, it. and it'll be a work order. Okay. Okay. Got it. Thank you. That would... Those were my questions only. They were so much more articulately stated by the other commissioners. So we, uh, we needed to make sure that we had a public record of that. So, so thank you, because I think it's a little confusing. Totally understand the confusion of it. Yeah, yeah. But having worked on joint databases uh, for other departments, which I don't need to worry about anymore, I, I, get, I get what you did, and I'm actually pretty impressed. So, <laughs> so good. Let's just get this online database going. Um, so do we have any other comments or commissioners? Questions from commissioners? Then do we have any public comment? Should we call for public comment on this? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item D? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item D. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their queue. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers, we can proceed. Okay, thank you. Um, hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item D? I move. Second. From Commissioner Bittner and second from Vice President Spears. Uh, we'll please take a roll call vote to approve item D. President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you. 
Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item E and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with multiple providers for the provision of nutrition services during the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2025 in the additional amount of $11,877,916 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $99,400. $99,401,811. And staff, uh, Tiffany Kearney will be presenting this item. I think that's the biggest number I've used here. <laughs> okay. Probably the biggest for me, too. Um, thank you. Good morning, commissioners, um, President Knudsen, and Deputy Director Kaufman. My name is Tiffany Kearney. I am a program analyst and lead nutritionist for DOS. I am seeking the Commission's approval of 19 separate grant modifications with 10 different nutrition partners. The grant modifications add funding um, from state, federal, and local resources for more meals and infrastructure to <coughs> ensure our partners who have a long-standing history of providing nutrition services will be able to meet the needs of the communities they serve now and in the future. It goes without saying that the pandemic has taken its toll. The elevated need for nutrition support in our community demonstrates that. It also heightened awareness about nutrition insecurity and its disproportionate impact on underserved communities, including communities of color, people with disabilities, older adults, LGBTQ plus people, and veterans. And although the pandemic response um, is scaling down in the city and California's state of emergency is ending in less than 90 days, nutrition insecurity and its negative effects persist. Our clients are at higher risk for nutrition insecurity and poor nutritional health for reasons including age, disability, and socioeconomic factors like income. Approximately 50% of our clients enrolled in a DOS nutrition program last year were screened as food insecure, meaning that they reported feeling worried that their food would run out or that it did run out before they had money to buy more. Ensuring consistent and equitable access for nutritious, safe, and affordable food is essential to support the health and well-being of our consumers. As you may recall, last month, the Commission approved our contract with CDA for $1,052,073 to fund capacity and infrastructure improvements for our congregate and home-delivered nutrition programs. All of our meal providers have been awarded funding through the CDA infrastructure grant. Those dollars are now being added to their fiscal year 23 budgets through the modifications before you today. The infrastructure funding will be used on pre-approved purchases that will allow our partners to meet the needs of the communities they serve effectively and efficiently. The budget modification also include funding for more meals. Our partners' baseline budgets this year are not sufficient to meet the current needs in the community. More than ever, older adults and adults with disabilities are accessing support. 
The additional funding for meals this year is approximately $4.3 million and will support over 506,000 culturally responsive meals that will be a mix of home delivered, congregate, and to-go to -go meals to an estimated 2,800 more consumers. Of the 19 grant modifications presented, 16 of them also include additional funding totaling about 2.1 million annually for more meals in fiscal years 24 and 25. The added funding will support, that added funding will support over 252,000 more meals for an estimated 1,900 more consumers in each of those years. Finally, but not least, the grant modifications include a 4% cost of doing business increase to help with um, increased programmatic costs ranging from food and fuel costs, staffing, as well as a notable decrease in voluntary contributions from clients. The final pages of the packet um, is a complete listing of our congregate and home-delivered meal partners with details about dining locations, delivery areas, hours of operation, and cuisine. Thank you for your time and consideration of this modification. If you have any questions, I will do my best to answer them now. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, are there any, any comments or questions from commissioners on this item? My comment is just that it's, um, I commend you for uh, walking us through this very complex process of all the many providers, um, the many different source of funding, and um, the services that this additional funding will support. You're welcome. I think um, I, it didn't happen in a vacuum. We had a lot of support from our contracts, planning, budgets, and my colleagues, so I... Um, I just happen to be the face up here right now, but it was a huge effort on um, everyone's yeah. part. So thank you. I can see there's a lot of work and planning and coordination behind all this. Yeah. I just have a comment. I, I, I in reading this, I'm just overwhelmed with the amount of um, people who are food insecure. Mm -hmm. that, that I think I, I'll just leave it at that. And also the, just that. In, in looking through the documentation, how you had, we had the lessons learned from the pandemic and the programs that seemed to work and be effective for people. I was appreciating the fact that that was, that we could continue those because if we, if we, especially the culturally competent meals and um, the, the, the taking advantage of institutions that could help prepare it. So um, I appreciated that. I think we've all learned a lot about uh, the nutrition programs in the city through the pandemic because it became such a important um, piece of what we were doing to help. Um, so appreciate that as well. And just, uh, it was a large document, but it very, very, very necessary uh, for transparency. So <laughs> I know what it took to get that together. So we appreciate it. I felt terrible. I printed it and then, but I didn't know what I was going to be asked. So I, <laughs> I was like, I need to make sure I have everything. No, the, it, I believe in transparency. And in this world, we just, just not have a lot of copies printed. We can look at it digitally. So that was fine. All right. Any other questions, comments? And we should uh, call for public. Yeah, Commissioner Lum. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, it's such an easy task. I don't know why anybody's talking about it. No, <laughs> seriously, 
Thank you very much. We really appreciate the effort that went into it. Uh, we, you know, we really appreciate the work that you know that you got uh, you the, you and your staff have done. Thank you very much. Pleasure, of course. Um, so do we? Do we should call for public comment then, if we don't have any questions. Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item E? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item E. We will allow some time for callers to submit the request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Yes, there's one caller. Do you want to transfer that caller now? There are two callers, okay. Can you uh, transfer the first caller? Yes. Thank you. Um, good morning, President Knudsen, Commissioners. Um, thank you. My name is Eliana Binger, and I'm the Policy Associate for Glide. And thank you to um, Tiffany Kearney for presenting and to Mike Zog for your continued partnership. On behalf of the organization, we appreciate the modification to the existing contract for the provision of our daily free meals program, and we respectfully request the Commission's I vote. We operate our program in line with our belief in food for all, no exceptions, no exclusions. As such, Glide does not turn away anyone who is hungry. Our daily free meals program has no eligibility requirements, providing three nutritious meals a day, 364 days a year. We've done so for decades. The COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted the prevalence of nutrition insecurity among older adults and adults with disabilities and the need for more nutrition support in the community. It has also underscored the vital role community-based nutrition programming has in supporting DOS consumers. The provision of nutrition services, whether through congregate setting, takeaway meals, or home deliver meals, assists older adults and adults with disabilities in gaining consistent and equitable access to nutritious meals, as well as other important supportive services. Unfortunately, the DOS contract does not fully meet the growing need of missing meals, which requires us to pursue additional private resources to cover significant costs. Further challenges posed by inflation are shared by other DOS contracted providers as well. So we are grateful for your consideration today for these modifications, which will enable us to continue to combat food insecurity in the city. Thank you. Thank you, caller. And we have one more caller in the queue. Moderator, can you put over the next caller, please? Hello. Hi, good afternoon, caller. Your three minutes begins now. Hi, my name is Felicia Thibodeau. I'm with Southwest Community Corporation at IT Bookman. First, I'd like to say thank you to the commission, as well as to Tiffany Kearney and the DOS staff around providing opportunities to address food insecurity. We're from the Lakeview OMI community, where we are very marginalized out here with minimal restaurants and businesses, especially during the COVID 
the um, pandemic, we were able to successfully provide um, culturally relevant meals, and that is essential to looking at the Black African American community that does still exist here in the Lakeview OMI. We appreciate your support and your vote for the Congregate Meal Program, and we are very appreciative to be able to provide and address hot lunches as well as hot dinner to a community of older adults in the Lakeview OMI. Thank you again for your support and appreciate all that you do around addressing aging and community for the city and county of San Francisco. Thank you, caller. And there are no more callers in the queue. All right, thank you. And I just want to say, here, uh, hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. But I very much appreciate the time and effort it took for people to provide that public comment today. So we appreciate that. Is there a motion to approve item E? I move. Thank you. Commissioner Bittner has moved a second from Commissioner Jung. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item E? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you, Commissioners. Um, I think that's it. We just do we have any announcements from Commissioner? We do public comment one last time. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. You're right. Uh, Commissioners, item 14 is public comment, an opportunity for members of the public to address the commission. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the commission today? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their queue. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? There are not. Okay, that concludes public comment. I need to keep following the script. Every time I go off the script, it's a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) All right, are there any announcements from commissioners? All right, then I'm going to adjourn, but I also want to say thank you for, it's December, thank you for all the work that happened this year, and I hope that everyone has a good time, uh, maybe gets some time off, uh, and appreciates time with friends and family um, to celebrate whatever uh, we do to make sure there's light in darkness <laughs> during this season. So I adjourn the meeting. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.